Good morning. Well, we are three weeks into the new year. I hope you're thriving. That's, that's what God wants. God has designed and desired that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. But what's our expectation? You know, we all have expectations. Some of them are full of fear and some of them are full of faith and, and joy and peace. And, uh, but we live in a world that's constantly changing and it can be unsettling. But we don't have to be unsettled because we have a God who never changes. Who desires to give you every good and perfect gift. Amen? Well, I am, I am uh, just want to say I am being so blessed by the 21 days of prayer and fasting. I hope you are. It's been a great encouragement. I, I have found myself at times waking up and, and waiting for it to drop so I can see what the next one is. And uh, just keeping it in mind throughout the day and trying to remember from the very beginning, what, what is it that God is, is saying to me? What does he have for me to do and have for me to be? And uh, I, I just I am so grateful that we have it. I also am very grateful, as Debbie and I were away, uh, thank you for your prayers for our son Brandon. He is doing well. Unfortunately, at times, he is a lot like his dad, and he is headstrong and not, not as patient as he should be in his recovery, but he is doing very well, so thank you for your prayers. But I was also very blessed by Pastor Jeremy and the Word of God that came to us through that vessel. And I hope you were too. And if you weren't here, uh, make sure you take the time because no matter who's up here, I really need to make this statement and make everybody uh, very aware that it doesn't matter what vessel is up here. God has is, is got a message for us. And the moment we don't make ourselves available to it, part of what happens is we're unprepared for what's ahead. Now what happens when we're unprepared? Do good things happen when we're unprepared? No, absolutely not. And God always prepares us before we ever face what we're going to face because he knows. He's the only one that knows what's in your future. And he knows what you need, and he provides for all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And when, when God's word comes forth, it may not be something we need right at that moment, but it is something that we need. And something that we need personally and we need to be able to be prepared to share with other people. And, and the messages that Pastor Jeremy shared were very, very impacting for me. And I hope they were for you. Um, I am going to continue. Uh, I shared with you at the beginning of the year that God had uh, really spoken to my heart. I've been seeking him and I do. I seek him all the time to find out what he has for me. But I also seek him for what he has for us as a church. And what he's doing in the world at this time. Because we see a lot of things going on. But many times we don't see all that God's doing. And God's doing amazing things. One of, one of the organizations that you support, we support as a church, uh, SOS Adventures. I was able to talk with uh, one of the leaders of that, that ministry. They preached the gospel to 1.4 million people this year. That is incredible. And, and it's, 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 it's impacting the world that we live in. And it is fulfilling what prophecy, prophecy says. Before the Lord returns, the word of God will go forth. 
and the gospel will be preached to all. And it is happening. It is happening. We are coming closer and closer to the return of the Lord, and there's a lot of work to do. There are many people that need to be saved, and maybe some of your family members are, are those people. But God's doing a work to reach every human being so that they would know and choose life that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen? But as, as I was sharing at the beginning of the year, uh, I shared from a uh, speech that General Douglas MacArthur gave to uh, the cadets at West Point, and he had three words that he, he used, courage, faith, and hope. And those three words for us as Christians are love because love casts out all fear. When we don't have fear, we can be courageous. Uh, faith and hope. And we need hope because we live in a world that is struggling to hope, struggling to have an expectation of good. Uh, God's plan for us is for good and not for evil with a future and a hope, Jeremiah 29, 11 says. But you know that in the world, there are so many things for us to lose our hope by. And I was absolutely taken by surprise by something that I had read about, and I didn't think it was true. So I had to check it out on the internet. And there is a company and a website called Despair Inc. And, and this is it. It's hard to see, but Despair Inc. is where they put up these motivational posters, but they're demotivational posters. It's an incredible thing. And I don't think anybody needs to be demotivated or, or brought to the place of despair, but these people are out there doing this, and it is it's mind-blowing to me that anyone would buy these things. But let me just give you a, 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 just a little, little taste of what this is about. You can see that, if you'd put that back up, thank you. Uh, in the second from the left, on the top row, it looks like a serene uh, shoreline. But the uh, information below says, if a pretty poster... Uh, and a cute saying are all you need to motivate you, you probably have a very easy job the kind robots will be doing soon. <laughs> really? And then, then you see the one next to it. It's, it's a mountain, and it looks almost like clouds below it, uh, but it, it's, it's an avalanche. And that one says, a few harmless flakes working together can unleash an avalanche of destruction. Would you want to look at that on your wall every day? Because some of us think we're working with flakes. <laughs> now the next one, you see the bear in the waterfall and the fish just jumping up? Well, the caption to that says, a journey of a thousand miles sometimes ends very badly. <laughs> Come on. Really? I don't need to hear that. I need to hear good news, and we have good news, and there's one that's not up here, but it's about friendship, and I thought this was just incredible that somebody would even think this. A friend is just a stranger you haven't alienated yet. Really? This is real. This is something that, that people are buying these things. Why in God's name would anybody 
buy stuff like this because we live in a world that is challenging enough. We don't need to be demotivated. We don't need to be reminded of the challenges. We don't need bad news. We need good news. And I'm telling you right now, it may be you. It's every one of us at any given day where we need to be encouraged. And the Bible tells us we need to be encouraging each other daily as we see the return of the Lord drawing near. The Lord is coming. The world is getting darker and more desperate. It is a broken place with broken people, and we have the answer. And his name is Jesus. And that's where we don't know. I I was given a gift for Christmas, and I've mentioned this before, but it's a shirt. It says on the front, and I almost wore it today, uh, be kind. And on the back, it says, everyone is fighting a fight that you know nothing about. And that is absolutely true. We're all in a battle. Whether we realize it or not, we as Christians know we're in a battle. It's a battle for life. Just like CareNet. They're battling to save lives. We are here to save lives. To bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. To let them know that there is a God of hope that will fill them with joy and peace in the midst of a very broken and troubled world. And we're the ones that God has here to do that. And it's, it's, it's not like we have to go somewhere to find someone to reach. The next person you run into is one that God wants you to reach. God wants me to reach. How many of you believe that God is, is doing and wanting to do even greater things than we've ever seen? Amen? And... and, and If we believe that, we need to be expecting that, we need to be engaged in that, and we need to be available to that. And and where does he want to do it? In churches? Absolutely he wants to do it in churches. Does he want to do it in homes? Yes. Does he want to do it in workplaces? Absolutely. Does he want to do it at the gas stations? Does he want to do it at the grocery stores? How about Walmart? Yeah, he wants to do it at Walmart. How about CVS drugstores? And he's doing it. Debbie and I went out on a Saturday morning. I had to pick up some things at, at, at the drugstore, and, and uh, I wasn't in a great mood. Can you imagine that? Some of you are like, Absolutely. <laughs> I, I just wanted to sit home. I wanted to relax. And, and, and yet we went out and, and we first went to a diner in Buford, Georgia. Now, you can imagine a diner in Buford, Georgia is very local, very down home. And, and do you know that in that diner there was a, a girl there that needed to be encouraged? And I don't know about anybody else that was in that diner, but I know Debbie and I were there. And God just kind of nudged us. The Spirit of God nudged us just to be an encouragement to her. And she was overwhelmed by it. Now, we're on our way to CVS. 
And we leave the diner. We've got full tummies. Not thinking about anything but getting home and putting my feet up and just relaxing. I want to get my stuff and I want to get home. And we go into CVS and, and, and you know, I get my stuff and Debbie finds some stuff. We always find stuff. And we, uh, we get up to the cashier and there's a lady standing back there and she is not looking happy. And, and I just want to buy my stuff. I want to get in my car. I want to get back and I want to rest. And there's that. Now, I didn't move. It wasn't anything like that. But I became very aware. I don't know if you remember when uh, Rabbi Stewart was here years ago. He said, always have your antenna up. Always be aware when you're out. Be available to God for what he wants to do. Because how many of you know God wants to do things wherever you go? But God is going to use whoever is available. Why can't it be you? Why can't it be me? And so that nudge came. And uh, <laughs> I kind of shook it off. Why would you shake off a nudge from God? Because I was dealing with selfishness. And, and it came again. And Debbie and I both became aware. We were looking at each other. We became aware that there was something that God wanted to do for this lady. And in the process, she was having some trouble ringing things up. God was not going to let us go until we took care of business. And, and so all of a sudden I said to her, can I ask you a question? And she kind of just looked at me, which demotivated me. And there was that nudge again from Holy Spirit. And she said, what? I said, is there anything that we can pray for you for at that I wasn't sure what was going to happen because this look came over her face. This isn't CVS drugstore. This is not in Resurrection Life Church building. This isn't in a cathedral. This is in a place where everybody goes. And she starts to cry. Now, I had no idea. Debbie had no idea. But God had every idea of what she needed. Because God knows what every one of us needs. And all of a sudden, she tried to talk, and she was having trouble talking. She said, I can't believe you asked me that. She said, I have found out I've had surgery on my one leg. I found out I need surgery on my other leg. I could relate. She said, I've been in horrific pain, and I'm afraid of the surgery, but I know I have to have it. They've told me I've got to go off some of my medication that is going to cause me great distress to be able to go through the surgery. And she said, I told God today, I don't know how I'm going to do it. 
I just need to know you're going to help me. And we said, you know what? God is there to help you. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble, in time of need. He's Jehovah Rapha, your healer. Now, these are scriptures. Whether she knew it or not, we did. We're speaking God's word to this lady who is a believer but was having trouble believing. Anybody here relate? Yeah, we all do. There are times in our lives we have trouble believing. And we start to lose hope. That confident expectation of God doing what he said he'd do. And she was there in the valley of despair. And, and we said, look, we can pray for you right now. Would you let us? And she said, yes. Now, there were people standing behind us in line. Now, some of them went over to the self-checkout. No, 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 no problem there. And so we pray for this lady. And the look on her face when we got done praying, and, and we don't walk by, by sight, but I'm telling you, when things show up, don't ignore them. Her countenance had changed. Her perspective had changed. Her attitude had changed. Her hope was transformed. It was like there was a resurrection that happened right there before our very eyes. Now, I tell you this not to say, hey, look what I did. I tell you this to say, look what God did. Look what God can do in any one of our lives if we won't ignore the nudges like I tried to because I was thinking about myself. But thank God that, that between Debbie and God and, Holy, and the Holy Spirit and the cash register not working, there was enough time for me to realize I was being dumb. I should never resist God. I should never say, well, later, God, I'll do it later. Now is the time. We don't know if we're going to get a second chance. And if we had walked out of there without doing that, we would not have accomplished what God had for us to accomplish. Now, I will tell you, I believe absolutely 100% God would send another person to that person. But God wanted us to do it. And when, when we got done, she said, you know, I have such a peace. I know this is going to work out okay. Because of God's word. Because God was brought into a situation to show someone God was right there all the time. But remind them God is there and God cares and God can do what he says he'll do. And as we're walking out the door, we know that the people behind us have heard all this going on. It's been a witness to them. We don't know the impact on them. But we're hearing this lady saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Debbie and I walked out and got in the car and said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us the privilege to know you 
and to make you known to somebody else, even if they know you and have forgotten what you can do and who you are. Because that's what we're here for. We're here to remind and to show those that have never known and remind those that do know who God is, who the Lord is, what he can do. Because with God, what's possible? That is the exact right answer. But there's a difference in knowing the answer and believing the answer. With God, all things are possible. But what are we worrying about today? What are we struggling with today? Because whatever that is, that's an area where we know the answer, but we don't believe the answer. And we need to be encouraged. Sometimes we need to encourage ourselves. Sometimes we need others to encourage us. Because we're struggling with hope, with faith, even with love. Because faith works by love. And that hope is a confident expectation of good, of God doing what he said he'd do. And this, I'm saying all this because months ago, as I, as I was just making myself available to God, praying, fasting, just sitting before God, reading the word, I felt like God brought me to two places in the Bible for me, for this church, and what he wants to do in the body of Christ. Now, that's, that's pretty big stuff. And I'm very hesitant to say, you know, I, I know God's spoken to me. I believe God has spoken to me personally about this. I believe that God has, has revealed this to me about this church. And I believe this is what God has revealed to me about what's going on in the body of Christ. And you may say, well, why would he reveal it to you? Because I want to know. And it's not just about God. I want to know. So give me, give me, give me. I'm going to put away other things. And that's what this prayer and fasting is about. Putting aside other things to be able to make ourselves available to God. So that God can, can work in us and adjust things that need to be adjusted, and also reveal to us things that we need to know. And so these two portions of scriptures we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And you may say, oh my gosh, here we go again. We were in abiding for a long time. You know what? It's not about the length of time we're in it. It's about what we're doing with it. If we're not applying stuff to our lives then we're one of the most detrimental influences in our own life. Because if we're hearers and not doers of the word, we deceive ourselves. And, and I'm not going to belabor this, but I'm going to be obedient to God. And so today we're going to start looking at a Old Testament. Both of these portions of Scripture are in the Old Testament, but they're pointing towards the New Testament and what would happen what has happened and what will happen. And the first one is in Ezekiel chapter 37. But before we go there, I just want us to pray. So if you'd bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time together. Father, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts, our circumstances and situations. Help us to have understanding and wisdom that we would be able to walk in the light 
of your word, which is truth, which is life and health to those who find it. Father, that sets that, that, that word, that rhema word is, is the sword of the spirit. It sets captives free. Father, today, help us to have illumination from your word that Holy Spirit would bring revelation to our hearts that we would experience transformation in our lives. And we thank you, Father, for this. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said. So in, in the book of Ezekiel, we're going to start out in chapter 37. That's where we're going to stay. But um, I, I just want to set this up. Ezekiel lived in a time where uh, the Israelites had been taken captive. Uh, they were in exile in Babylon. It was a very hard time, very difficult time. And, and they were in similar situations that they had been in before because one of the things that we see over and over in the Bible, and it's not just true about the Israelites, it's true about us, that they would, they would depart from God and they'd get into sin. You know, whenever we depart from God, we're moving directly towards sin. And so they would get into sin, whether it was idolatry or something else, and then they would go into slavery. They would be put in bondage or taken captive by a foreign nation and then dominated, forced to do things. It's just what happens in our lives when we go towards sin. We lose our freedom. We, we become slaves to sin. Death begins to work in our lives until we, just like Israel, come to that place where we can't handle it anymore and we cry out to God. We repent and turn back to God and then we submit to God. And when we submit to God, James tells us we can resist the enemy and he'll flee. The enemy's run off because we've submitted to God. And when we submit to God, we line up with God. And all of a sudden, what God says he wants to do and can do and will do in a submitted life begins to happen. That abundant life begins to flow in our lives again. That peace and joy, that liberty, that hope begin to abound in our lives and yet, in this situation, they were in exile. They were in captivity. They had, had been taken over by an enemy that was ruthless and merciless. And, and they had lost all hope. And God gives Ezekiel a series of visions. And, and therefore, the house of Israel, but they can also be applicable to us, the church. And so we're starting out in verse 1. It says, the Lord took hold of me. This is Ezekiel. And I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord into to the valley filled with bones. He led me all around, all around about the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dry. So he has this vision. God takes him out in the spirit. And he's brought to this valley, this, this immense valley. Some people call this the valley of despair. 
Because when he looks over the valley, everywhere he looks, the Spirit of God takes him all around the valley, everywhere. Every bit of the valley is covered with bones, human bones. This is an apocalyptic picture. There is massive destruction, massive devastation. Something has destroyed many, many humans. And it says that they were scattered. It wasn't like you had a whole skeleton here and a whole skeleton. You had bones everywhere and they were all mixed up. They were disconnected. It's like somebody had dismembered. But they were just bones. It had come to the place where the elements had worked on these bones, these bodies that became just bones, to the point where they were very completely dried out, which was indicative of there is no life left. I'm, I'm telling you today that this is, this is a picture. This is what God's showing this prophet of God who's sharing this with the nation of Israel. And, and we get an understanding of what this is. In verse 11, it tells us that this was about the people of, of Israel. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. Uh, in that, that, it says all home, but it's all hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Old dry bones. These bones that have no life, they're disconnected. They're scattered everywhere. And it represents the nation of Israel because they've lost all now, I will tell you, and you, you know this already, the world that we live in has, has been experiencing things that have caused people to become desperate, discouraged, divided. There are things that have died over the last few years, relationships that we've had. Situations that have gone on that have cost people their jobs. Sometimes their homes. Sometimes their families. And it's not just localized. And so this is a depiction of Israel, but it also can be applied to us today. And applied to the church. There are more people that are walking away from Christ than we've ever seen. Walking away from their faith. I don't need the church. I don't need faith. I don't need God. I don't. Deconstructing, this is the new term, deconstructing their faith. You dismantle your faith, you dismantle your hope. And even if we don't walk away from God, we don't walk away from our faith. We're walking away from each other. And Jesus said specifically, they, 
the people that don't know me yet, will be absolutely assured that you are my followers by your love for one another. Jesus specifically prayed that we would be one. We did a series on oneness and unity for weeks and weeks and weeks. We would be one as he and his father are one. And the enemy knows what the word of God says. And he is working overtime to try and thwart the word of God. Try and stop the word of God from happening. The plan of God from happening. And we either align ourselves with God to persevere and to continue to have breakthroughs to see the will of God done in our lives. Because we can't control anybody else's life. But we can surely make decisions in our lives. Whether we're going to choose to love people that, that love us. And love people that don't love us. And love people that absolutely hate us. Because we're going to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. No matter what. This is not based on what anybody else does. It's based on what we choose to do. What I choose to do each and every time I encounter somebody. And one of the things that helps me so much, that has helped me transform and change, is when I look at that person, I don't see somebody that's just a pain in my neck. He thought I was going somewhere else. I look at that person and see... That's somebody made in the image of God. That stops me immediately and wakes me up. Then I recognize that's a person that Jesus died for. Then I recognize that's a person that Jesus loves. Those three things, they're made in the image of God. Jesus died for them and Jesus loves them. And if they're made in the image of God, I at least need to acknowledge there is great value there. If Jesus died for them, I need to acknowledge there is great desire that God has for them to experience abundant life. And if I realize that Jesus loves them, I'm supposed to love them just like he loved them. And I have no excuse and no right not to love them, not to pray for them, not to do my best for them no matter what they do, except I just reject what Jesus has for me. I say, God, you know what? I understand that's what you have for me to do and to be, but I'm taking over here and I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to treat them the way I want to treat them instead of the way you've treated me. And I have no right. I have no right to do that. But I have freedom to do that. And that's where God has for me to let go of my rights, my freedoms, my perspectives, my values, my wants, and die to myself so that I can live for him. Because our God is the God of life. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you 
fight, have life, and have more abundantly. And if that's what God's giving to me, when people encounter me and I encounter people, what they should be impacted by is the life that God's given me that's now being given to them. Is it easy? Heck no! Is it natural? Absolutely not! It's supernatural. Because we can't depend on us to do this, but we can depend on God and trust God to do this in us. And so this was the nature of Israel. This is us. Man, we're experiencing so much division, so much death, so much destruction, so much dismemberment. And God had a plan for them, and God has a plan for you. We're going to look at this and we're going to see how this applies to our lives because it is so applicable. In verse 3 in the New Living Translation, it goes on to say, Ezekiel says, Then he, God, asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Now, I need to help you understand something. And you've heard me say this before. When God asks questions, is he looking for answers? Is it because he doesn't know? You know, I just thought I'd ask you, uh, can these bones become living people again? Because I'm not sure. It's ridiculous. God knows everything. He doesn't need to ask a question for him to get an answer. It's always to help us recognize something we're not getting or we might miss. Remember when Jesus had all those people to feed the thousands. And what's he say to the disciples? What do we have? Did Jesus not know what they had? He absolutely knew everything. And he asked them because he wants to know what they think they have. And what's their answer? Nothing. We got nothing. Well, go, go find out what we have among us. Because it's among us that God has provided Nobody's going to have everything, but all of us together will have something to contribute to what God has as a whole. And they found a little boy that had two loaves, two fish and a few loaves. And, and, and they, he says, you know, what do we have? We got nothing but. Watch what comes after your butt. You can take that whatever way you want to. But this little meager kid's snack. Because Jesus knew what that snack could do. But they didn't. When God asks questions, he is trying to help us recognize we do not have. Now, some of you are going to get offended at this. But when you're offended, just let it go. Especially if it's truth. We don't have the capacity to know everything. We know in part. The Bible tells us that. But God knows everything completely openly. And, and what God was trying to do with Ezekiel was trying to help Ezekiel see who he needed to look to and depend on. And who was that? Who did Ezekiel need to look to and depend on for answers and for, for help? God. It's good Ezekiel was going to get an awakening. 
But I'm telling you right now, we all need an awakening. The next time you face whatever you face, or even what you're facing now, don't put it on you. You and I can't afford to put it on us because we can't do it. With who are all things possible? Right answer, but when we start putting stuff on us, we're putting it on the wrong person. We're supposed to cast all our care where? On him. Cast all our care on God. Why? Two things. With him, all things are possible, and he cares for you. He cares about you. He wants the best for you. He showed that already. He gave his son to give you the best. If he's not going to withhold his son, what would he ever withhold? Can these bones become living people again? No. Ezekiel is a smart guy. He's not evading, but he's very smart. Oh, sovereign Lord. Even in his answer, he's recognizing who God is, God's sovereign. You alone know the answer to that. Good answer. You alone. It's the answer we ought to keep in our hearts all the time. God, I don't know what to do. You alone know the answer. If you get nothing else, understand today. God alone knows the answer to every question, every problem, every puzzle, every situation that you have. And he will freely and fully give it to you if you choose, before you hear what the answer is, choose to say, God, I am yours. I'll do what you want. Because if all of a sudden you and I are saying, God, I need the answer, but we're not already all in committed to saying, God, whatever you say I'm going to do. If we're like, okay, God, give me the answer, but inside, see, God knows what's going on inside us. And God knows we want an answer, but we're not sure we want to follow the answer. Come on. He's not going to put you in rebellion. So he may not answer you because you haven't decided before you hear that you're going to do what God says. And all of a sudden, you determine, all right, God, I am all in whatever, whatever you say I'm going to do then he'll let you know what your part is. He'll not give you something you can't do, but he'll give you something that you may or may not want to do. And the only time we don't want to do something is because we don't think it's going to work out, but if God gave it to us, it's always going to work out. <laughs> you alone know the answer to that. Now, this is like a game of, of ping pong or tennis. Can these bones live? God just puts the ball in Ezekiel's court. Ezekiel comes back with, you alone know it's back in God's court. God's about to put it back in Ezekiel's court because this is the way it goes in our lives. We go to God. God gives us something. We need to do what God says and give it back to him. And follow his direction and his guidance. 
and then he'll continue to give us. God doesn't give us the whole plan. Have you noticed that? God doesn't give you the end game. God gives you the next step. Because if you and I knew, and Pastor Jeremy shared this with us, he said, if I had known. <laughs> and it's true. If the will of God doesn't freak you out, you're not here in the will of God. Well, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, because the will of God is bigger than you alone can do. Than I alone can do. But it's not bigger than what you and God can do together. And what God's about to do was, would be absolutely impossible for Ezekiel. But God incorporates Ezekiel in what his plan is, just like he's incorporating you and me in what his plan is. And it is monumental. It is massive. It is masterful. And in verse 4, we see God lobs it back to him. Again, he said to me, Prophesy to these bones. Prophesy to these bones. Now, we have this spooky spiritual idea of prophecy. Prophecy has to be, thus says the Lord. I, as a prophet of God, say. Now, I, I, I don't mean to mock. All right? But you don't hear any of the prophets in the Old Testament saying, I, a prophet of God, say. They knew they were prophets. You'll know them by their fruit. Just because somebody says they're a prophet, they may be a lost. You can't call yourself something. God calls you. And God tells him, prophesy to these bones. Now the word prophesy means this. It means to speak directed or inspired by God. Now, I want you to know prophecy is something that in the New Testament, we're told at the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God fell on the disciples and they began to, to uh, reach out in the streets to people. We're told that in the book of Joel, God had said I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That's not an exclusive club. Hello? Well, I could never prophesy. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you better. You better learn how to prophesy. I can just feel. It was like the air went out of the room. I, I, I've got to speak, thus saith the Lord, I have to tell people what are going to happen in the future. No, that's not prophecy. That's not the way God wants us to prophesy, all of us to prophesy. Paul said in Corinthians, I desire that you prophesy. You should desire to prophesy. Speak directed and inspired by God. Well, I've never heard God. God's never told me what. You know what? There's an easy way to do that. You speak God's word. You speak God's word. Understand that God's word is his will. Now, it's not for you to tell somebody about their, their future. 
But you can go to the Word of God and say, just like we said to the lady in CVS, He's an ever-present help in time of trouble, in time of need. He is Jehovah Rapha, your healer. Was I misrepresenting God? I'm asking you, was I misrepresenting God? No. This is who God said he is. If he said he is, I can say he is. I need to help people see who God is and know who God is. Because without knowing God, we're lost. Even if we're saved. And what I mean by that is you may have a ticket to heaven, but you may be just wandering through this life because you don't know who God is. You've received Jesus as Savior, but he's not able to be Lord. He's not able to govern and guide you the way, way we all need him to do. And if we don't, we're going to be just like the people of Israel. We're going to be hopeless. We're going to get into situations that are overwhelming, bigger than us. And we're going to lose our hope because we're, we're going to lose our sight, our, our, our focus, our trust, our confidence, our dependence on God. Who can do anything and everything. Prophesy to what? What's it say? To these bones. Say to them, who's them? These bones. Oh, dry bones, hear what? The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Jesus is the word made flesh that dwelled among us. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear what God's word says. We need to hear what God's word says. We need to tell people what God's word says. Why? Because God's word is immensely valuable, powerful. In creation, nine times in the first chapter of Genesis. A phrase is repeated. And God said. Remember how everything was created? God said light and light was. You see, there are a couple of phrases that are re repeated. And God said. And it was so. God's word created everything seen and unseen. God's word still creates. When God's word is spoken, it creates. It creates faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It creates hope. It creates resolve. That we are determined, we're going to see it through because God said it. We're not going to give up our confidence because it has great reward. In Proverbs, Solomon considered the wisest man in the world at his time, said, listen, listen to my words. Take heed of my words. Hide them in your heart for their life and health. Life to all those who find it and health to all their flesh. Do you know that Jesus sent the word and people were healed? 
He spoke a word and people were healed. Did the word lose that power? No. We need to be speaking the word. We're supposed to speak life. The Bible says death and life in Proverbs are in the power of our tongue. And we need to speak life. How do we speak life? We speak the word of God. To dead things. And life will come. Jesus. Jesus had said some things to a, a massive group of his followers in the New Testament. And, and he says to them some things that they consider hard. But it wasn't hard. It's just they didn't want to do them. And the Bible says in that time, they t many turned away and did not follow him again. And then Jesus said to the 12, are you guys going to go too? And Peter said, who, who can we go to? You have the words of real life, of eternal life. You see, where life comes from, it comes from God. And the way we can speak life into situations is we speak the word of God over those situations. We're not here to manipulate, but we're here to prophesy, speak inspired of God to those things that are dead. Those things that are damaged. And we can't just speak what we want to speak. We need to find out what the Word of God says and then go to God with His Word. It's important that we go to God with His Word. We can't just play Bible roulette. Boom. Speak to me, Lord. Boom. Speak to me, Lord. Judas went out and hung himself. Go and do likewise. What? No, don't do that. Build the word of God into you. Then take the word of God and give it to God again and say, okay, what of your word do you want to speak to this? Because God told him to prophesy and he says, hear the word of the Lord. It wasn't that, okay, prophesy. Ezekiel, say what's ever in your heart. No, I'll give you the words to speak. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, don't be concerned about what you'll speak. I'll give you the words. But you've got to have time. We've got to have time to sit before God, build the word of God into us, and then take the word of God and offer it to him and say, what of your word do you want to speak to this situation? Because that's the sword of the Spirit. That's the rhema word of God. The rest of it is just, we picked it out. God watches over his word to perform it when it's his word. Do you know the enemy uses the word of God? He is so dumb in some ways. He was using the word of God to speak to the word of God when he was tempting Jesus. So the enemy can use the word, but we have to have God's word on the situation. And that takes us hearing from God about his word. The Holy Spirit will remind you just like he did with Debbie and me when we were talking to this lady and praying for her and encouraging her. And we were. I'm telling you right now, it would not fall in the category of what most Christians would say, well, that's prophecy. 
We were prophesying to that lady. We were speaking inspired of God to that lady. And what happened was that lady's hope, that lady's faith, that lady's confidence, that lady's expectation experienced a transformation and it seemed like a resurrection because when we walked out of there, she was completely different than when we found her. And it wasn't because of us. We were, we were allowed the privilege to be able to be used by God to do what God wanted to do for her and did for her. We happened to be the vessel, but it could have been anybody. And we have to be aware when God does what he does in those situations. She was like, I'm so glad God sent you. And we were like, oh, we're so glad God sent us. We're so glad God is so good. And sometimes some people here don't understand when they say things to me. And you think I'm deflecting and I'm just... No, I'm telling you right now, when something that God does in my life or through my life is good, I know more than anyone that it had to be Him. Because without Him, I'm really not very good. I know who I was, and God knows who I was, and Debbie knows who I was. And without God having his way, and I've experienced and I continue to want and experience this transformation in my life. Because I need it. And you need it in me. <laughs> but it's what God does. Going on to verse 5, it says this. God's told Ezekiel to prophesy to these bones that they would hear the word of the Lord. And then God says, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I, surely I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall what? Oh, no, say it like you mean it. You shall? Yes, you shall live. I'm telling you, as I share these messages, as I have meditated on this for months as I have tried to build this into my own spirit as I have recognized I need to do this in my life I am hoping I have a confident expectation that you're going to recognize this is something that you need to adjust your life to you need to prophesy daily you need to speak life to the dead bones. Whether it's a massive valley in your past of dead bones, disconnections, dismemberments, destruction, death that has occurred. You need to speak life. You need to speak God's word. Not in a manipulative way, but in an expectation of God having his way. Breath will enter and you will live. Maybe you don't have a valley of bones. Maybe you have a pile of bones. Maybe it's family relationships. Maybe, maybe there are physiological things in your body you need to speak life to. Maybe it's financial. It can be anything and you and I have to choose what are we going to speak? Are we going to speak what we see? Is that faith? Are we going to speak what we hear everybody else say? Is that faith? 
are we going to speak what the Word of God says? Speak life over the death that's been. Prophesy. Speak what God's Word says can be. And it's not just one time. You don't just go out and say, okay, okay, I'm going to speak life. And then you look and nothing's happened. You say, I knew it wouldn't work. The Bible says through faith and patience. That one thing we all want. And we ask God for it. And God doesn't give you patience. He gives you problems. Because that's where you exercise what you already have. You have patience. God's given you everything he is. God is a patient God. Look what he's done with each of us. You just have to exercise it. You have to develop. And so when you pray for patience, you're just praying for problems so that you'll be able to develop patience that's already there to the fullest extent it needs to be. So don't pray for patience. We're going to see. We're going to see how this happens. Because this is, this is exactly what was going on with Israel. They were hopeless. And, and he's prophesying. God's directing him to speak these words to the nation of Israel. And there's a result. They live. But how many of you know there's a difference between just surviving and thriving? Yeah? I got... Dwayne knows. If you don't know, go see Dwayne. God is not a survive God. He's a thrive God, a God that wants you to experience life in abundance, overflow. We're going to be looking into this. We're going to be seeing this, and we're going to see how this, this actually occurred. This occurred. This prophecy came to pass starting in 1948 when Israel became a nation. It's still coming to pass because some of this prophecy hasn't come to pass. But it's applicable to the body of Christ and it's applicable to you and me. And we're going to see how. In the coming weeks, you don't want to miss it. This will change your life. But you know what? Every time the Word of God goes forth, it should change our lives. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never turned to trust in Christ, please know that He's been waiting. He's been longing to be more involved in your life but will never force himself on anyone. He's been longing to bring healing and wholeness and health. He's been longing to bring abundant life to you. But you have to open the doors. The Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks. Whoever opens the door to him, he'll come in. And he'll dine, sit and dine, feast with them you're here, you've never given your life to the Lord, I want to pray with you this morning that you would give your life to God. You would recognize you need Christ. That you've sinned just like we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That you need to receive that forgiveness. You turn to Him and open up to Him to trust in Him that He could come in and be Lord of your life. If that's you this morning, I just want to know who I'm praying with. 
And if there's no one here that needs to pray, then I, I'm just going to go on. But if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I need to give my life to the Lord. I want to have him governing and guiding my life and not me. And I trust everybody here has, if you haven't and you were just hesitant, see me after the service. But for the rest of us, you know, this is, this is where, this is adjustment. Just like our 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're learning things to make adjustments. God, search me and show me if there's any way in me that's hindering you from having your way. There are all sorts of things in our lives. Some we know, some we're absolutely unaware of. But we got to get them out. Jesus is coming back for you, the church, without spot or wrinkle. A glorious, victorious church, and that means change. And so change is our ever-present companion, and we need it to go from glory to glory. But rather, right now, according to your word, one had asked you, put a guard on our mouths. Put a watch on our mouths. Help us to recognize when we're speaking things that are are calling forth death instead of calling forth life. Father, help us to fulfill what your word says. When you pour out your spirit, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Father, we want to prophesy, but not in a crazy way that we see so many times depicted, but that we would speak guided and inspired by you, your word. Speak life to those things that have been dead, but with you all things are possible. And you would bring a resurrection because the word of God brings that. Jesus, the word made flesh that dwells among us, said, I am the resurrection and the life. Father, we pray for resurrection life. And what more appropriate to pray in this place for what you have called us Resurrection Life Church. So, Father, have your way. Guide us, govern us, and guard us so that we would walk in the life that you have provided for us. We thank you, Father, for the dreams, the callings, the hopes, the visions have long since dried out and lie scattered in the history of our life. But Father, help us to speak life. Speak life to those things that are your will, not just what we want. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, before we dismiss today, I'm going to ask as a family, you know, we all need encouragement. We all need support. We all need help. And I would ask you as, as a family to be praying for Bob Wall and his family. Uh, Bob just found out that his sister passed. And, and when you find out something like that and it's not expected or it's, it's really difficult. And so we need to surround him and his family, Lori and, and uh, the rest of Bob's family, and, 
and uphold them in prayer, comfort, the comfort of God, the strength of God, the peace of God, the hope of God. So as, as you're continuing to take time to pray in the 21 days of prayer and fasting, take time to just lift up Bob, his family. Amen? Would you stand? One more time, I heard people groaning. I know that groan. <laughs> um, if you would just indulge me one more minute, if you would just close your eyes. Father, right now, help us. We, 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 we intentionally set aside this time right now before we go from here. Just show us quickly, what is it that you want us to take from here? Because, Father, every one of us heard so much today, but not everything was for us. But in all of that, you had something specifically to give to us. Help us recognize it so that we can not only receive it, but we can be transformed by it as we apply it to our lives. Father, we thank you that this week we don't have to just wait to hear from you when we get here. We can hear from you anywhere, anytime about anything as we listen for you and look for you. Father, help us to be really those ambassadors that we are wherever we go uh, to impact the people that, Lord, you died for and you love. Father, I thank you that as we go through this week, you go ahead of us and prepare the way that you are with us every step of the way. You don't leave us or forsake us. You are our rear guard. You protect us from being overflowed or overwhelmed because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And Father, help us to recognize every day we have the privilege, the honor, and the opportunity to live with the creator of heaven and earth and know you make you known. And we thank you, Father, for this. We bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, have a great week.